Greetings, everyone. I'm so excited about today's episode, and I also want to thank everyone who has been engaging with me over the daily posts that I have been making in honor of Black History Month and all of the incredible artists that I have already covered on the podcast in previous episodes. I'll continue doing that through the end of the month, so stay tuned for that. Today's episode is a brand new one, and it presents an artist that I am so thrilled about that I can't even express it. There's a bit of a weird situation with the narration. I recorded the majority of it in New York earlier this week, and I'm supplementing it with additional material that has come up since I've returned to Berlin. So you'll be hearing some varying quality of reverb and things like that. All the new material that I'm recording in Berlin is well worthy of inclusion, so I hope it's not too distracting. Even though there are no new Patreon supporters this week, I do want to give you the usual spiel. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you can make a contribution yearly or monthly to help support the podcast. I've been accumulating material for a number of special bonus episodes, which I'm hoping to throw together over the weekend, throw being such a technical term. Now, without another moment of delay, let's get going. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Heaven, heaven. Going to shout all over God's heaven. I got shoes, you got shoes, all of God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, gonna put on my shoes, gonna walk all over God's heaven. Heaven, heaven. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Heaven, heaven, going to walk all over God's heaven. I got a harp, you got a harp, all of God's children got a harp. When I get to heaven, gonna play all. 
on the harp, gonna play all over God's heaven, heaven, heaven. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there, heaven, heaven. Going to play all over God's heaven. That, my friends, was the baritone Eugene Holmes, who lived from 1932 to 2007. He is one of those singers that one doesn't hear about very much, and indeed, his career was not an earth-shattering one, even though his voice is earth-shattering. I'll tell you a little bit about his biography in a moment, but first, let's listen to a performance of Eugene Holmes singing the prologue from Pagliacci. This is a live recording from the 13th of July, 1977, from the stage of Holmes's home company, the Deutsche Oper am Rhein, with whom he sang as a member of the permanent company for more than 30 years. Si può, si può, signore, signori, scusatemi se dai soli mi presento, io
on March 7, 1934, in Brownsville, Tennessee, the 11th of 14 children, and his father was a Baptist preacher and sharecropper. Eugene attended both elementary and high school in St. Louis, and then continued his studies at Harris-Stowe Teachers State College until he auditioned and won a full scholarship to attend the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Upon graduating, he returned to St. Louis, where, like last week's featured artist, Martina Arroyo, he worked as a social worker and was later certified as a teacher. He also served in the Navy from 1956 to 1959. When Holmes went to a rehearsal of Robert Ward's opera The Crucible, he met the director Dorothy Ziegler who was associated also with Boris Goldovsky, a Russian-born, American-naturalized director, conductor, and broadcast commentator who lived from 1908 to 2001 and is remembered both for his appearances during intermissions of the Met Opera broadcasts and for forming the New England Opera Theater, which eventually became known as the Goldovsky Opera Theater, which provided a training ground for some of the most important singers of the time, including Phyllis Curtin, Frank Guerrera, and Mario Lanza. 
Goldovsky offered the young Holmes a position with the Goldovsky Opera Theater, and Holmes made his operatic debut singing the role of John Proctor in The Crucible in a production directed by Goldovsky. Shortly thereafter, he was offered a scholarship to attend the University of Indiana, and after graduation, he began appearing as a member of the Metropolitan Opera National Company, the former touring arm of the Met, with which he sang Germont in Traviata and Chonard in Bohème. In the years that followed, he made a number of significant debuts, including with San Francisco Opera, a secondary role in Gunther Schuller's opera The Visitation. This opera, which incorporates elements of jazz, was inspired by a, quote, motive by Franz Kafka and transforms the story of Josef K. in his novel The Trial into the harrowing experiences of a young black activist named Carter Jones who falls into a similar legal nightmare which ends in his death. This is an opera which premiered in Hamburg in 1966, which starred African-American baritone William Ray, and which was produced the following year in San Francisco, starring Simon Estes, a production which also featured podcast favorite Felicia Weathers in a leading role. He also sang with City Opera, and in 1971, he played the title part in an opera by Giancarlo Menotti called The Most Important Man. The opera focuses on racial tensions in Africa, and though it was not a critical success when it premiered, Menotti was a strong advocate for the work and believed that it was one of his best operas. As far as I can determine, the work has not been revived in decades, and I have not been able to find any kind of sound documentation of this opera, much to my regret. In 1970, the U.S. premiere of Frederick Delius's opera Coanga was staged by Washington Opera, or the Washington Opera Society, as it was known at that time. Originally a production of Virgil Thompson's Four Saints in Three Acts was planned for that period, but the composer objected to the choreographic approach that was going to be taken by the director, and he exercised his right of refusal, and the production was called off. The administration found themselves with an empty place on their calendar, and they consulted the director Frank Corsaro for his suggestions of a work featuring black artists which might be appropriate to take the place of Thompson's opera. Frank Corsaro, a big advocate of the music of Frederick Delius, suggested that they might consider doing Delius's opera Coanga which was composed in 1896 to a libretto based on a work called The Grandissime, a story of Creole life by George Washington Cable. Delius spent a portion of his life as a young man working on his family's plantation in Florida, and this provided some of the inspiration for the opera Coanga, the first of Delius's operas to receive a public performance, first in excerpts in the year 1899 and later in Germany in 1904 in German translation. 
The British premiere of the opera was conducted by Sir Thomas Beecham, one of Delius's strongest advocates, and the roles of the two black leads were played by white singers in blackface, the Australian John Brownlee and the Russian soprano Oda Slobodskaya. When the work was performed in Washington in 1970, two black singers were engaged for the leads, the soprano Claudia Lindsay as Palmyra, and in the title role, none other than today's subject, Eugene Holmes. The work was a big hit, although there were some dissenters because of some of the more problematic elements of the libretto. But the work was subsequently revived for Sadler's Wells, as well as for a concert performance by the Camden Festival, which led to the work's recording in 1974 on EMI Records under the auspices of the Delius Trust. In all of these iterations from the 1970s, the two leads were taken by Holmes and Lindsay. The work had previously received a concert performance in 1959, in which those two leads were sung by Lawrence Winters and Lenora Lafayette. I featured excerpts from that recording on my Lenora Lafayette episode, if you're interested in hearing those two artists. Two different live recordings exist, one of the premiere in Washington and one of the Camden Festival recording, and I'll be featuring excerpts from all three of those, including the studio recording. Rather than give you an elaborate breakdown of the plot, I'm going to read you a synopsis written by Lewis Snyder, which was published in the Christian Science Monitor at the time of the work's U.S. premiere. The opera, set in a Louisiana plantation in the early 1800s, is bracketed by a prologue and epilogue a century later, so that the main plot is in essence a story told to a group of young girls by a conjure man. It deals with the purchase by a planter, Don José Martinez, of Coanga, a proud African prince and voodoo priest who refuses to submit to slavery, but is persuaded to do so by his attraction to Palmyra, a mulatto slave girl also strangely drawn to him. Following Christian wedding ceremonies, the girl is stolen away by a jealous overseer, and Koanga escapes to invoke a curse on the plantation in weird voodoo rites. He kills the overseer, whose followers slay him, and Palmyra stabs herself. Let's listen to some excerpts now. First, Koanga's entrance aria. This is from the Washington premiere in 1970, and you can hear just what extreme demands are made on the baritone who undertakes the title part. We hear Eugene Holmes and, briefly, Claudia Lindsay. Whoa! 
that there is a rebellious slave at the center of this drama. Let us now hear an excerpt from the 1972 Camden Festival performance. This is surely the most objectionable part of the libretto in which Koanga tells his bride-to-be that he will gladly submit to slavery if the reward is her love. It's beautifully written music, but one can see how it would be difficult to make something like that play today. After this Camden Festival performance, the work was recorded under the baton of Charles Groves, who conducted the Camden Festival performance as well. This remains Eugene Holmes's sole commercial recording. We're going to hear the finale of Act Two as Koanga calls down the curses of the voodoo gods upon the plantation and escapes into the swamp. It's very difficult to believe that Eugene Holmes was not snatched up by every empresario, recording company, what have you. This is some of the most amazing singing I've ever heard in my life. I know the 
films deliver this particular moment makes me think that he could indeed have sung all of the big Wagner Helden baritone heroes as well. Now, the final selection we will hear from Koanga right now. The scene in which the broken and bloodied Koanga is brought in on a pallet and in his dying moments still is dreaming of revenge. In the opening moments of this scene, we once again hear the magnificent Claudia Lindsay as Palmyra. This is from the live Camden Festival recording of 1972. Oh, 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 oh. 
By the time this 1974 recording was made, Eugene Holmes was already in a fast position at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein, which divides its performances between Düsseldorf and Duisburg. He remained here until the end of his life, with only occasional guest appearances abroad. One of those guest appearances was in the year 1973, when he sang the role of Amonasro opposite Gwyneth Jones in a production of Verdi's Aida at the Wiener Staatsoper under the baton of a young Riccardo Muti. I'm going to play that scene for you now, for we do have a live recording of it, and the sparks really do fly. Thank you. 
I was very lucky to be able to speak privately with two people who knew Eugene Holmes very well. First of all, my friend and colleague Bonita Hyman, the wonderful mezzo-soprano who did her first Erda at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein in 1997 and became acquainted with Eugene Holmes there as her close colleague and friend. She subsequently put me in touch with the recently retired opera director at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein, Stephen Harrison. I spoke with Stephen this morning and received a little bit more of a feeling for who Eugene Holmes was as a person and what kind of roles he sang. Both of them mentioned to me that Eugene was a very dignified person who was extraordinarily popular with the public at the Deutsche Oper, as I'm sure you heard in that applause that followed his performance of the prologue of Pagliacci. He sang, according to Stephen, all of the Verdi parts in the Verdi operas that were performed in those years that he was a member of the company, all except Iago and Ford in Falstaff, although Stephen did mention that Iago was one of Eugene Holmes's final new roles. He learned it for a production in Aachen in around 1994 or 95. He also sang the requisite Buccini roles, Marcello, Sharpless, and even Scarpia, although, according to Stephen, he did not really enjoy singing roles where the character was so evil and unsympathetic as is Scarpia. Bonita has done a lot of work with UNICEF in Germany, and this was a connection that she shared with Eugene Holmes, who also performed at galas and functions in support of UNICEF for more than 25 years. Stephen also mentioned that he performed at many local galas and concerts of choral societies and things like this, and that he would sing both opera arias but also spirituals, which was, of course, something that he had an incredible innate feel for, as we heard in his performance of Heaven, Heaven, at the beginning of the episode. Holmes also made two self-produced albums of spirituals. The example that we heard at the beginning was from the latter of those two recordings in 1988, and we shall hear at the end an excerpt from the earlier recording as well. But let us sample a little bit more Verdi from today's featured artist. There was a televised performance of La Forza del Destino in the year 1982, and some blessed soul has published just a couple excerpts from that telecast, with Eugene Holmes singing the role of Don Carlo, and the Hungarian tenor Janos B. Naj singing the role of Don Alvaro. This is from the duet in the final act, where these two adversaries meet up again on the grounds of a convent, and in spite of Don Alvaro's reluctance, he is finally goaded into taking up arms against the man who has declared himself his arch-enemy. <laughs> Oh, no. 
to determine with whom Eugene Holmes studied voice in his early years, but clearly he received exceptional training, and both Stephen and Bonita mentioned to me that his voice remained unimpaired with the passing years. In my attempts to find recorded examples of this sorely under-recorded artist, I came across a recording of an opera gala from the German city of Essen in April 1983, in which Eugene Holmes was the featured singer. And I'm going to play you two excerpts from that record, because they're not widely available. But I am the proud owner of this double LP set. So, first of all, I'm I'm going to play you the Pearl Fisher's duet, sung in German by Eugene Holmes and the Greek-American tenor Giorgio Aristo. Stephen told me that Eugene was also an incredibly effective escamillo. And here, let's just consider something about his voice. There's a very dark timbre to the sound, yeah? So that he almost sounds like a bass baritone. But as Stephen said, he never sang the lower-voiced bass baritone or bass parts because of that incredibly vibrant high voice. So it's this wonderful combination of depth and height, the chiaroscuro that we so love in The Greatest Singers. Ich mag keine Nähe, 
incredibly important document from that same concert. This is Eugene Holmes singing the big scene from the third act of Rigoletto, beginning with Cortigiani through to the end of the act. The Gilda on this occasion was the American soprano Barbara Carter, who evidently was fest in Munich. She's a fine singer, and they make a very good pair. We also hear briefly in the role of Monterone, the bass Gunther Marx. I'm going to just play the entire scene for you with a tiny little cut in Gilda's aria. Artigiani, virazza, dannata, qual prezzo vendeste il mio bene. Oh. 
nulla, angelo mio. Scherzo, non è vero, io che pur pianzi orrido, e tu che piangi.
tutto, tutto, ma tutto riscompare, l'altare si rovesciò. Tutto scompare, l'altar si rovesciò.
Gene Holmes met his wife Katja in Düsseldorf. Stephen Harrison was telling me that he used to go to a certain bar to have a beer of an evening, and she was also a patron of the bar. They got to know each other, and they fell in love and married. Bonita felt that she was from Russia, but Stephen was not aware of that fact, so he said that he only heard her speak absolutely impeccable German, so I don't. No, sadly, she also is no longer living. The couple had no children. Yesterday, as I was preparing to board my plane to return to Berlin, I received an email from Herbert Klein, who is a member of the committee of UNICEF Deutschland. Bonita also very kindly put me in touch with him. And his was such a beautiful message that I would like to simply read it to you in my own English translation. I'm delighted that you are honoring and thinking of my friend Eugene Holmes. I am a member of the German Committee for UNICEF, the United Nations Children's Fund, and in Germany I initiated the first UNICEF Germany Gala in 1982 in the small, idyllic town of Hilden, near Düsseldorf. My idea was to set up a network event in the form of a gala concert 
where artists from all over the world could serve the noble cause of children in need. Why then in Hilden and not in the big cities like Dusseldorf, Hamburg, Berlin, or Munich? My thought was, if artists from all over the world come to Hilden, it is not because of the PR or for self-aggrandizement, but instead because of their commitment to the cause at hand, helping children in need. And one more thing was important to me. There should be artists from all genres of music on one evening, from opera to jazz, which was almost unthinkable at the time, to musicals and instrumentalists, pop and soul. And from the very beginning, the participation of Eugene Holmes as an American at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein was an enormous boon. I first presented this idea to him in 1982, and he was so enthusiastic. He helped me to open the door to many great artists from the opera world that he knew. From the start with this project, I had two allies, one in Eugene and the other in the musical director of the Deutsche Oper, Stephen Harrison, who helped me in the opera world to win over for this project great charismatic artists with a humanitarian streak. Artists from other fields followed in subsequent years. Today, in 2023, I have my 40th anniversary in an uninterrupted sequence of galas from 1982, minus the two years of silence due to COVID, of organizing and moderating this event for UNICEF, which is unique in the world. Another special thing is that the admission price was always set at 40, at first Deutschmarks, and now Euro, so that everyone can enjoy this musical treat. Some large firms have underwritten this project to make this possible, with all the proceeds going to UNICEF. So far, we have been able to generate over 10 million euro, and Eugene Holmes had a very large share in this, because he alone participated in the event 20 times since 1982 and campaigned for children's rights with his incredible voice. Whenever he sang Old Man River, you could hear a pin drop, and a standing ovation was always the thanks that he received from his enthusiastic audience. After his first performance of Old Man River, the then mayor of Hilden, Dr. Ellen Wiederholt, thanked him for all of us with a kiss, and she said, we will never forget you. Indeed, we will always remember this voice and this person with great gratitude. By the way, Stephen Harrison told me that whenever Eugene Holmes would perform Old Man River, he would sing it in the key of E-flat, so that at the conclusion, those were high G's that were shaking the rafters. All three of Eugene's friends and colleagues, Bonita, Stephen, and Herbert, told me that at the end of Eugene's life, he suffered gravely from recurring cancer, which finally took his life. Each, in turn, also mentioned Eugene's 
final appearance at the UNICEF Gala in Hilden, wheelchair-bound and no longer able to perform. Nevertheless, he put in a personal appearance as a final show of solidarity with UNICEF, a cause in which he so deeply believed. I couldn't find any extant live recordings of Eugene Holmes performing Old Man River, but I'm going to conclude this episode with a performance of another song that was all-important to Eugene Holmes. A beloved stage director at the Deutsche Oper am Rhein had died, and at the memorial service, Eugene sang an unaccompanied version of Deep River in a way that brought everyone together in their grief. Stephen said that it was one of the most profound musical experiences of his life. And so, to conclude this episode, I bring you from Eugene Holmes's first album of spirituals, Deep River. Special thanks to Bonita Hyman, Stephen Harrison, Herbert Klein, and to Eugene Holmes. My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. 
I'm Daniel Kuntlach. <laughs>